If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Ah, the aliens are coming. Welcome. 11.15. Welcome to the Complete Unnecessary Podcast for Tuesday, April 28th, 2020, alongside Ian the Disruptor Ferguson. I am Pat Cotchery. On the show today... We'll be talking about lots of fun stuff. Let's just jump uh, right to the most important one. Let's uh, hear about what? your bidet. No, we're not going to get the bidet first. I'm, I'm quick Why on the not? show. We're talking about Call of Duty Cheaters, Neo Geo 30th Anniversary. Uh, we have a Patreon poll topic. Uh, another video game uh, item on Pawn Stars. Hmm. Uh, real quick, we can get to the bidet. 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 Bidet, bidet, that's all, folks. Hair update. Week 12. Week 12 is hanging in there. I mean, it's literally hanging in there, but I mean, like, week 12, a hair update. Once I think I think once we get two more weeks in, we're going to get trouble once we get to week 14. Mm-hmm. It's going to be bad. Mm-hmm. It's going to get bad there. Um, you want to talk about the bidet first? I had the whole I, order just, of let's, this. Let's, I don't care about your order. Let's do it. Let's hear about the bidet. bidet. All right. So we'll talk about the bidet first. I'll reorder it here, Ian. I had it all set up in my head. So the bidet, I got the bidet for a few reasons. One. You know, toilet paper has gotten scarce here. It I, hasn't, though. I mean, uh, it's all over the place. Can you let me tell my... You want me to, to adjust my, just, my story? I'm just saying, the toilet paper is not that scarce. I'm not going to talk about the bidet if you're going to be combative, Ian. So I get the bidet. I order it online, finally. Mm. Uh, plus, I got it recommended from a couple of people, including my, my good friend Yoshi. And so I ordered the bidet. Um, and they're all on Amazon. They're like... You can get a decent one for like 50, 60 bucks. You can install it yourself... You know, you, you, there's a little tea thing from the water supply to the toilet. You hook that up, goes back to the toilet and goes to the bidet. You put it underneath your toilet seat cover. Your toilet seat cover comes off easily. Right. If you're not a castle country. Oh. So, out of all the trouble I've had here, I've had the... It really, it's been only been plumbing issues or calling plumbers. <laughs> you have had some plumbing issues. I've yeah. had plumbers come out. I'm not... I've been here a, uh, two years... Four months, five times I've had plumbers come out for clearing lines, uh, the, the for for the, the 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 musty the musty smell after the the the, 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 the somewhat scammers uh, installed the new water heater, uh, when when all the YouTubers conspired to to clog. Uh, my main plumbing line after the marathon, NES marathon last year. That was the best. Uh, yeah, it was like, the best. Like eight inches of solid shit. Yeah, it was the best. It was the best for my wallet <laughs> oh my afterwards. God, holy fuck! I, I had to decontaminate the whole the whole uh, washed uh, the whole uh, bathtub afterwards. <laughs> that was a um, special. Yeah, time. it was fantastic. You know, I, I hope it never <laughs> happens God. to you. Now I want it to happen to you. Um, <laughs> that's a whole story. That yeah, sorry. Woo. 
That's why. So the bidet, the whole point is the bidet would help eliminate that because less toilet paper. Right. That's in theory. So I go to install this thing, and silly Pat, I never ever once, you know, how when would you ever lift up the little toilet seat cover caps to see what's actually underneath? Because you just assume they're like the plastic little guys. Yeah. No, they were rusted metal screws. So I'm saying, this looks strange. Then I look closer. That's usually what it happens. It's always uh, rusted and shitty. But the, but the toilet's not that old, and the, and the, and the cover's not, you know, not that old. It's not, it's, like a, it's like a 30-year-old fucking toilet in there. But then I look closer, Ian, at the, at the, at the nail, at the, uh, the screws. There's no indentation for either a slotted screwdriver or a Phillips. So I'm just like, okay, now this is, now this is an issue. Because mm-hmm. even if it was rusted, I could probably, with brute force... You know, hold the bottom with the wrench underneath. There's a little, little, you hold it, and then you unscrew it. So I call up my, I have a really nice uh, plumber. He calls me up, and it's like, you know, you can take a hacksaw to it uh, to get to get it out. And I'm just like, you know, I don't, I don't, I have a, I have a regular saw. I don't have a thin hacksaw. I said, you know what, just come over and do it for me, please. Just, I, I'm not going to get through this. I was all psyched to install this in like probably 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> so he comes over. And he looks at it and he's like, "Yeah, I've never seen that before." I'm like, "Well, that's just that, that's just my <laughs> luck." Um, so, literally, it's like almost an hour. I'm like almost an hour later. He's struggling with this. He had to take a, like a jigsaw to cut the one off on the one side, but then on the opposite opposite side, there was enough room to get the jigsaw against the wall to get underneath. So I'm like, "Okay." Then I start smelling like burning plastic and metal. He had to take a fucking blowtorch to get off <laughs> a toilet seat cover screw. Nice. To, to get it weak enough that he can pry it off. So, like, the the toilet seat cover at that point is, like, non-usable anymore. Like, it's, it, I mean, it's not in the shape it was before. So, you know, it took an hour and a half to what should have been a 15-minute do-it-yourself pat job. And, and But you know what? He, he gave me a decent, decent deal. Uh, on the price, I know because plumbers can be stupid expensive, and uh, yeah, gotta love a pat job, pat job. Uh, but now the bidet's installed, and Ian, the bidet is a game changer. Yeah, it's a game changer. Um, you feel fresher. Let's just say you still have you still you need you need to wipe it off a little uh, bit. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know that I'm just gonna. I, no, I, you can't get get yeah, yeah slurpy ass if you just get off off the off the. You still have to wipe and dry off slurpy ass slurpy ass. Okay. Yeah. You have slurpy ass, but it's like, you you know, maybe you wipe once or twice and you're good. Or you wipe once, you do a little more spritz, and then you're, you're good. You feel like... A little oh, spritz. A little spritz. A little spritz, spritz. And, 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 and most of them, like mine, it has a lever. You can adjust in real time, like like you're like you're on the, the Enterprise. You can adjust the power of the stream. You go, like, how do you aim it properly, though? Well, there's a general direction, and then you may adjust it a little bit while you're there, and it, it gets in there. Okay. This is, it's not like a 3D thing, you know, on a VR. Is it scope. warm or is it ice cold? Okay. Well, it's not ice cold because we're in San Diego. I, they sell them with and without. With and without. Something on my chin? No, no. Oh. I, I had an itch. Oh, sorry. Uh, they, they sell it with and without the hot water ones. My hot water under the sink, I'd have to drill holes to get the hot water to there. So I don't have, I just have the cold water. But at least where I'm, we're at, the cold water's not, it's not bad at all. It's not like, Aah! it's not like that. You know, even when you hit the bullseye, you're like, oh, no, you're not. You're it's refreshing. Not. It's it's a refreshing. It's a refreshment. It's like washing your hands. Water, then soap, then water. It's like doing that. Anyway, so I'm not telling everyone to buy buy stock in, in bidet companies, but I don't know what why we missed the boat on this. And I, I guess we have a strong toilet paper lobby to keep bidets down, I guess. 
I, so I'm guessing this is just like breakfast cereal is how they're horrible for you. Yeah. And it's better for the environment. It's less waste. Breakfast cereal it, is miserably bad for you. It costs you less. You don't have to worry about people hoarding uh, toilet paper as much. One roll with this could last you like six months with a bidet. Like, you're, you're, you're good to go. You know? It's, it's, right. it's, it's Sorry, I'm getting too excited about that. Sandblast in the ass. But, but, you, have to, but you have to keep busy with, with, you know, with certain public health crisis. And you gotta, you got to look for the, the, the silver linings. Silver lining. Uh, so speaking of silver linings or, 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 or lining in the sky, the Pentagon, Ian, yesterday on the 27th, they officially released three videos uh, that were recorded by Navy, uh, Navy pilots, U.S. Navy pilots and observers uh, to show some uh, UFOs. Mm-hmm. And these were videos that I think one was 2004, one was like 2010 or 13, one was 2017. And these are videos that came out before that were leaked, pro- I guess, by private firms or someone got them. So the Pentagon basically said in a strange move, yeah, this is, these are our videos, these are real. Which, um, I, it could be to distract from the fact that a lot of people are still suffering and, and, and passing away from, from the coronavirus. I think I, that's a lot of You it, think that's yes. part of it? I think, I but think that's it's not gonna, it. It's not going to last forever. It's not like they said, hey, here's some alien guy. Right. We're talking to him. But I always suspect that we're getting trained more and more for gradually letting us know that this stuff is out there and exists. Something is going to hit. I'm not sure it's saying it's going to be tomorrow, but I think eventually something is going to come out more and more of, of this stuff. So, but the, but the footage is cool. Did you see it? It's, it's like a minute and a half all three of them. They it's not it's they cut out things, but right. The the, the the first the first video to me is the most important one because it literally shows the object go really fast and they said it's against 120 knot wind, which is a powerful wind. It goes really fast, then it stops, and then it rotates. And the people watching, you hear them like, "Bro, what is it?" It's funny that they're like say, talking like the dude saying, it's right. like, "Bro, what is that?" It just rotated. And so it's like, yeah, we don't have technology that, that we know of that can do that. That's either some sort of magnetism thing or anti-grab stuff that we don't have. We have propulsion for our, you know, our planes and everything. So it's interesting. That yeah. is, yeah, that's, it, it, it's neat. It's neat stuff. If they could have destroyed us, they would have done it already, the aliens. You know, so maybe, maybe to them, they're just watching these little ants, like watching an ant, ant farm. It's like, hey, look at these idiots, what they're doing. Yeah, look at them! Look at them ruining themselves and the planet, and still having wars and things, and not helping each other <laughs> wars out. Wars and things. Well, yeah, I, I mean that's why you know I watch a lot of Next Generation. That's why the Next Generation they have the Prime Directive and first contact rules. They don't contact you unless you get warp technology to show show that you're technolog- technologically advanced enough, right? That hopefully you're through most of the inter squabble, you know, inter tribal squabbling and stuff. You know, that's not always the case, but. You know, it could be a first. Maybe it's a first contact rule with them too. Maybe they watch Star Trek Next Generation. So that's a good idea. That's that's, that's a good, good idea. idea. Picard, we're, we're not going to come talk to these asshole Earthlings <laughs> until they develop enough technology, or kill themselves first. Which you know, from the technology. So, anyway, I've been also watching a lot of primetime wrestling. What clips. is primetime wrestling? What do it, you mean? It was the Monday Night WF show before Raw. It literally <sighs> used to be. I didn't know about this because as a kid, I, you know, you don't know. But I used to watch Superstars on 11 a.m. Saturdays. Yeah. I used to watch uh, All American Wrestling Sunday Morning. Oh, they also had Wrestling Spotlight, which was like a syndicated version of that, I believe. And there was a fourth one. I can't tell. They had four shows: All American Wrestling, Wrestling Spotlight, Superstars, and there was one other. Not kind of like the main event that would come on every couple months. Uh, or I was lucky enough to have MSG Network, which sh- used to show some of the live Saturday right. night shows when they when basically WF was still kind of regional, where they do a, a Mass Square Garden show almost every month. They did up to like the early '90s still. Um, so primetime wrestling was the recap show of like the whole previous week and they talk about you know the upcoming pay-per-view and it was on 8 p.m. Mondays and that went up to uh, end of 92 early 93 and then they transitioned to Raw 
somehow I found out about Raw, started watching Raw as a kid. I didn't know about primetime wrestling. But the reason that primetime wrestling was so precious, precious. It, is because it came out, I think, in version 85. Where it had Jesse Ventura, and I believe, I forget if, uh, if it had Arnold Skoland or someone else hosting it. But they quickly transitioned within a year and a half to uh, Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain mm. as the hosts. And for that alone, you can watch all of them. Yeah. Even without absolutely, the, even without the matches, just the, it's nice to watch the matches just because just the announcing is is going to um, be good enough. Well, they 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 overdub some of the matches, but they're mostly mostly they're, they're in the studio for for recap and to talk about things. Oh, okay, right, right. They're hosting it, and they and ninety five percent of it is ad libbed between the two. <laughs> and I only cried three times when wrestlers died. When Owen died, I cried. I was also coming off of ACL surgery. I, I wasn't of sound mind. I was on painkillers. When Macho Man died, and when Bobby the Brain passed away, those are the only times I like cried when wrestling figures died. And the more I, I look back, Bobby the Brain Heenan, to me, is probably my favorite comedian slash, to me, the funniest oh, person. Oh, he was so good. F- funniest person that ever fucking lived. Mm-hmm. To, at least to me, personally. Um, you can go back and watch those things, and it's and it's brilliant. So they're, they're, they're all, I think, most of them are on WWE Network. But there's a lot of them just even, they clip out the wrestling part, so it's like 25 minutes of them talking about things. And the interplay between the two is, it, it's magical. And they were obviously very close friends in real life. And it, no one got close to him, uh, Bobby the Brain. Like, even Roddy Piper would come on, and Piper was clever with things, but Bobby, you know, you let him get the, get the shots in, but, because it's, you know, it's interplay and they're, they're acting parts, but no no one could touch him. Uh, at all. So watch those clips, and there's, there's especially funny ones where they go on location. Um, there's look up like look up like primetime wrestling no holds barred where they do a no holds barred they're at a screening and they they're outside the theater and wrestlers are walking back and forth and in and and things like that there's one where they go um they go on on a yacht Bobby the Brain uh figures out how to get on a yacht and pretend he's someone else and they have bikini girls there and gorilla comes on and it's the funniest thing ever and they break a couple times they both start laughing at things they kind of break character it's funny when things happen um, and, and then there's a brilliant one where they go to some, um, I think it still exists. Someone told me there's some like famous hot dog restaurant somewhere in the Midwest. And, and, and it's, I can't do it justice trying try to explain how funny these skits are, but because they're all ad, like basically ad libbed. There's one where Bobby, the brain, beginning of a show, I think it's when he has, when Ric Flair first came to the WWF, it was a big deal in the middle of 92, Bobby, the brain, had the he had the real NWA World Heavyweight Champion, but there's one where he walks through the entire production staff. It's like a Goodfellas one shot following, and he rips. So I just checked. There's a 12 and a half minute Best of Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan from Prime Time. No, th- th- you need a lot, a bit more than that. Yeah, But there's there's a, basically a camera following Bobby the Brain walking through, and he riffs on, in real time, carrying the belt on all the like the employees as he goes through, and it's. He's fuck, he could have been a, like a, the greatest stand-up comedian. Like it, it was great. So sorry, I'm not sure how I never talked about primetime wrestling that much before with them. But yeah, I can go back and watch any of them. Like they're great, and there are full episodes on YouTube as well if you want to watch the, the wrestling matches. It's interesting, interesting to watch the wrestling matches from the late mid to late '80s because even like '87, '88, you still had that regional sort of feel right. where like the rings looked different in some locations, sure. and you had weird stuff going on. They didn't even had the mats out. Some were still concrete floors around. You know some of these locations. So like '87, I want to say like, WrestleMania three is when they started to transition out of the old era, and we're yeah. out by like WrestleMania six. We'll just say, basically by '92, all the old guys were 
getting flushed out. Like that WrestleMania was the last, and Royal Rumble was the last for that. If you look, if you look at the Royal Rumble '92, you have like 20 Hall of Famers in it. It's like the old guard. Yeah. You still like uh, guys from like the mid '80s there, and then you had the newer guys. And then like by '93, you're on a fast track to '95. <laughs> to the, to the, yes, '93 is a new generation. Except when Hogan came back to to uh, to be a baby and not let Brett win the title back from him and sort of ruin that momentum. That was really worth it. Then he then he fucked off the WCW. Hogan's the worst ever with him and Macho. God, he, he screwed over Macho and Brett so badly. Both of them. Uh, two of my favorite wrestlers, Brett and, and Macho, uh, there. Anyway, so so go back and watch primetime uh, wrestling there. Spe- speaking of wrestling, Ian, we, we got some, some, some news here about WWE 2K1. Yeah, WWE 2K21 has been canceled, um, and they're putting out a game called uh, Battlegrounds. Because um, it's so, a Battlegrounds! This isn't the first time... Well, it's the first time they've canceled it, and they needed to. We talked about this last year. Um, when they released 2K20, it was such a broken mess, and 19 wasn't very good. Um, they're on their own now. They don't have Ukes with them anymore. Um, it's just 2K, and they're basically... They started from scratch, just about. Well, no, they're not. They're they're still using... Well, they the, did. Oh, what? Well, that, that's why the last game was a bu- such a buggy mess. Well, no, the last game was a buggy mess because, no, they, they were still using the Ukes code. It was just years and years and years worth of this code. Oh, they didn't have Ukes helping them. Right. They, yeah, Ukes is not with them anymore. So they have the original game. They have the game. They have the engine. But now it's just them working on it. And um, from what we, we talked about it a little bit back then, I don't remember the particulars, but people said it's basically just... Like it's it, it's been this code that they've been using for like ten years, and they just keep piling more and more shit onto it, and it's it's right, broken. Hack, basically, hack it together. Yeah, it, it, it's hacked together, and it's it, it collapsed under its own weight. Finally, um, after a few bad years, and they do they need to take a year off. They need to retool it from the ground up, and that's hopefully what they're doing this year. Um, so, in an effort to kind of patch things over, they're releasing a, a an arcade. Um, an arcade-style wrestling game called Battlegrounds. Um, this is not the first time that the WWE has done this. They did release a uh, very good uh, wrestling game that I enjoyed quite a bit called WWE, I think it was All-Stars, yes. uh, about 10 years ago. Um, I played the 3DS version. I played the uh, the console version. A lot of fun, very easy to pick up and play. Um, you know, not, not as deep. It doesn't have all the options and stuff like that, but it was a very fun game, and um, I think that this could actually be good. I have more interest in playing this than I, I would have uh, WWE so, 2K21. Do you think they planned this just because they knew they wouldn't have a new game coming out, or they, it was on the docket anyway? Because this is like, it's an arcade game that shows The Rock throwing Cena into a fucking dinosaur's mouth. There's a there's a fiery Shoryuken that Cena does in this trailer. It's it's a goofy little yeah. fighting game. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know that this was planned. I think that this is probably kind of a holdover. I would not expect to see you know, I would not expect this to have nearly as many options, of course. Um I I'm sure they'll probably still charge sixty for it. But I I, I hope not. Uh, they will. Okay. Um they absolutely will. Um I'm interested. Like I said, I, I don't necessarily have faith in it, but I'm interested. I'm, like I said, I'm more interested in this than I would have been 2K21. Yeah, as long as, long as they still support a 2K20 to do, do roster updates and things like that, they should. Because people bought something that was a buggy mess. I mean, God, go, go, real quick, go back through the issues. Face, faces were falling off and wrestlers and referees getting jumbled in the ropes and out of control and 
the the rocks fucking uh, looked like uh, PS2 almost barely above PS2 graphics like they, they they went back in time on the graphics of some of how these wrestlers looked in yeah. terms of, it was in, it's insane mm-hmm. like wrestling games to me it are the only if you want to call it sports they're the only ones that takes weird steps back almost every year while like the Madden games progress like yeah you can say all oh, this features dropped off but like they don't radically they don't like go back in time like these wrestling games just go back in time it seems like they take steps forward and they get rid of stuff then it comes back and I, they they don't figure out that formula I guess I know I know wrestling engines are really complicated to get, to to get down and there's not one size fits all but it, it's it's frustrating if you're obviously a wrestling fan and want to play these games sure it, we're, we're like you know 40 years into wrestling games almost and they're still not like one solid way. This is how you do a wrestling game. Like for fighting games, it's pretty much yeah. This is your standard fighting game. This is how it works. Wrestling games, it's like no. It's like every every series has their own engine and way to play it and own g- gameplay function. I just think it's interesting. Never figured it out. Yeah. Anyway, so um, I'm doing an NES book giveaway, Ian. Oh. Giving away five certain NES guidebooks. Of course, you can go to ultimatenes.com. UltimateNintendo.com. You can get the books. You can get a Blu-ray. You can get the enamel pins. You can get the limited T-shirt right here. You can do all that. But I'm also doing a giveaway. Go uh, follow me on Twitter at PathTheNESPunk. I have a, I have a tweet. I'll also put it in the comments or if, if you're on YouTube. And um, all you gotta do is follow me, retweet it, and I'm gonna do five. I'm gonna pick five winners on, on May the fourth and sign a mail them out. Neat. Speaking of speaking of uh, my birthday coming up. I didn't really speak of it. Birthdays uh, in a couple of weeks. I'm going to do a charity stream, I believe, on my birthday, on May 9th. When's Saturday. your birthday? May 9th. May 9th. Write it down, Ian. I'm, I'm likely not officially announcing right now, but I'm probably it's probably going to be a TurboGrafx streaming day, and I'll probably raise charity um, for for something to, to, to hopefully benefit something going on with with the current public health crisis. I talked to Norm. He, he he gave me a good one to look at that matches. So so I'll stream on my Twitch Twitch. TV slash country code, and I streamed this. this I streamed uh, Sunday, Ian. Yeah, I streamed NES games. I had fun. Yeah, that's good. I streamed um, Danny Sullivan's Indie Heat. Good was one that w- was chosen, and I lost to Danny in one of the final races. Oh no! I was because I guess by that point, if you lose once, you're done. Um, and it's challenging. Uh, and then I streamed. Uh, what else did I stream? I streamed uh, a game that Ian was right about. In retrospect, about uh, I, I I gave it too much of a favorable rating in the certain NES guidebook. Which one? Rolling Thunder. Yeah, it's fucking awful. It's not awful. No, it's it's bad. It's not awful. It's a very bad no. version of the game. Well, well, the arcade game is perfect. That's the problem. You're going from basically a, a perfect or near perfect game to um, Rolling Thunder. I must have had rose tinted glasses because the second time I went through it, for at least for the first half of the game, because there's like eight stages in Rolling Thunder. The first half of the game was difficult but tolerable and and the problem with the nes port of rolling thunder which i i noticed the book is that the the controls are are a little bit stuck and delayed yeah especially in rolling thunder the biggest thing about rolling thunder the reason why you have to have pinpoint controls is you need to be able to turn or turn and uh uh, squat and turn and shoot i mean within a split second shoot both sides that's harder to do, do on the NES yeah, version. Exactly. It's very hard to do that. So the harder the game gets, the more you get into situations where, holy shit, this is next to impossible. And it, I got to the, I think it was the, the seventh or eighth stage where I started to curse because I was using save states. And there was literally times where not just the controls were being difficult in the game, but the AI 
was I way harder than what I remember the arcade version being, where guys would come out of the doors and shoot you within less than half a second. I never remember that happening in the arcade version. They would literally walk for a split second, then they'd shoot you. Like, they'd fire immediately. Like, you almost didn't get a chance to react. Not just that, it was also now where whenever I jumped down, they would shoot me in midair. Like, react instantly. Like, yeah. oh, he's coming. Again, I don't... I mean, I haven't played on MAME in a while. I don't remember the arcade version being that that difficult. So there were literally parts where I was stuck because there was like two or three enemies. I had to jump over to get down to them. I couldn't shoot them. And I, I couldn't jump far away enough that they automatically would shoot when I was on their level in order to jump away, be able to duck, turn, and shoot. It took me one time 40 times to get through this one section. Which says, I'm not even kidding. Jeez, People in the chat are like, this is insane. At that point, I'm like, yep, I'm going to revise the review. It's being docked at least at least half a star. And if I sell through the third print run for the fourth run, I'm definitely going to dock it at least half a star. So, Ian, you were right about that. So it's not awful, but it's not, it wasn't as good as I thought it was. You want to tell everyone at home how you think Doom 2 is a bad game? I, did, I was just kidding about Doom 2. Uh-huh. It's, Doom 2 is not uh-huh. as good as the first Doom, though. Okay. I gave you an Ian was right. That's where you should quit while you're heady. And Sorry, I'm feeling you know, greedy now. You, your face is turning red with excitement. <laughs> I just think that's one of the worst things you've ever said. Oh, I mean, I, I, I mean, listen, listen, listen. Doom I, 2, a bad game. For, for, hey, you're breaking the friend DA agreement. This is stuff I was talking about during my, my during uh, during uh, I think live stream. I think I spoke about this. What about about Doom Two? Wasn't it? No, you you mentioned it. Um, you mentioned it at the beginning of the last uh, podcast. Yeah, I don't enjoy Doom. I, well, let's put it this way: Doom Two Ultra Violence was was it's not fun. some of the most fun I've ever it's had playing fun. a video game. Yes, it's not fun. No, I got to the 12th stage and I quit. I was like, I'm done with this. It was going to take forever. I was like, I'm done. With it. Plus, I forgot that Doom Two wasn't structured like Doom One, having like ten stages per. It's thirty-five it's stages. Just, yeah, it's, it's just one long. It's twenty-five fight. or thirty-five stages. I can't. Remember. So once I remember that, I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. After uh, Unreal beat the shit out of me, uh, way more than Doom Two did, by the way. And then uh, Doom Two, I was like, okay, I'm done. Back to NES games. But May 9th, I'll do Turbo Graphics. Are you happy to be doing Turbo Graphics? Sure. I'll do. So I'll do some Devil's Crush, Alien Crush. Well, well, well. The the mini has Alien Crush. I guess it yes, the mini has alien. Depends crush. if I use. It depends if I use uh, emulators or, or not. There, so. Tyre VCS has an update. Just a little uh, update. L- little, little update. Uh, it's, it's, it's on a medium. It's on their Indiegogo. Yeah, it's on their Indiegogo. Uh, they have flipped the switch to mass production. Although I still think that that's also like not. Not exactly. So what? today, uh, hello backers. Today's update marks an important event as we flip the switch on Atari VCS mass production. That's right. This week, mass production on the first new Atari VCS systems is underway. Our Indiegogo campaign ha- page header has changed to show that Atari VCS is officially in the production stage. But this is where it's less exciting, and we mentioned this before. This is the batch of approximately 500 pieces, as mentioned previously. So no one's going to see these. Uh, these important Atari VCS. They're important. Atari VCS Onyx systems are mainly earmarked for additional content developers, merchant and distributor samples, and other critical business... Distributor samples? And uh, and critical business uses such as standard reliability testing. You need 500 units for that? This is in advance of the full 10,000 unit run of Collector's Edition and Onyx units going to our valued Indiegogo backers and then more units for our following customers. So that's 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 all I need to read from that. So uh, we're making them, but not really... Wait a minute. You're still, you still won't get one. How is this flipping the switch on mass production? That's what I'm saying. It's not. I guess flipping it towards no production and production, but 500 is not mass production. Exactly. I don't understand that. 
I don't understand I that at like all. I feel like at this point they're just buying time. Well, he always said that. I mean, yeah. it's been years now. Of course, yeah. it's been like two years. So, uh, 500 pieces. So, uh, 500 review units. I mean, that's kind of what they're saying is that these are what? dealer samples. What distributor samples would they need to hear? GameStop take one and look at it? They're not going to give a shit. They're just going to put it on their website and sell it. Yeah. Target's not going to. There's no one at Target headquarters that we're going to play this. No, just. I don't understand it. I, I, don't, I don't get this at all here. Okay. That's fantastic. Um, speaking of, 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 of additional of, content developers, what content developers? Nothing's been announced. It's it's bizarre. Speaking of, speaking of uh, new consoles based upon forty year old properties, uh, I'm going to give a shout out to a YouTube channel, Top Loaded Gaming, uh, conducted probably the finest interview I've seen online with our pal Tommy Talrico concerning uh, the Amico. Check out Top Loaded Gaming uh, because unlike uh, other interviewers, uh, Top Loaded Gaming actually uh, conducted an interview with uh, with questions prepared and actually responded and followed up and called out a certain CEO of a company on bullshit here and there. So check it out. It was an interview. Uh, it, was, it, it was interesting, uh, the interview, especially since uh, Top Loaded Game was, was extremely fair uh, with Mr. Tallarico, but still, you can see the color hue change in his face slowly through because he realized this wasn't a softball interview and it became like hot pink about an hour into the interview when Top Loaded Game was extremely fair and never raised his voice and never, you know, it, it was, it's a fine interview. So check it out. Top Loaded Gaming. Kudos for, uh, for putting on a good interview there and not just giving a uh, hand job in a Ferrari uh, there. So anyway, anyway, Ian, so uh, anything else we want to add before we get on before? Oh, we might, this, I think the plan was to do this intro on uh, a YouTube premiere to get people going. But if you're watching on YouTube premiere, we're on Podbeams. See you podcast.podbean.com. You can listen to the, le- listen to the rest of the sloppy podcast right now as we go into our first topic the main zone um so uh last of us 2 uh had its storyline leaked uh over the weekend um i didn't look into it although i'm not particularly concerned about spoilers i haven't played the first game and i'm probably not gonna bother we're not gonna really talk about the spoilers we're talking about what this no we're definitely not as a matter of fact if you do it looks like they're uh claiming your your video um oh okay they can do it i guess i don't know can um, they well, we won't. We'll just talk about the situation. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, it purports the leak purports to show uh, the entire game. Um, this was released over the weekend in late April. Uh, it was a, uh, from what we're hearing, uh, a disgruntled uh, employee um, basically decided to put this all online. So these were what video clips of like in-game scenes? I, I I'm assuming so. Yeah. So YouTube videos were uploaded that contain what appear to be clips. Yeah. of Naughty Dog's highly anticipated sequel, The Last of Us Part Two. While the original videos have taken down, been taken down, various gaming forms of social media re-uploads have survived, alleging to show the gruesome action game story in full. Holy shit. Yeah. It sounds like all the cutscenes. That's what I'm assuming it is, was chunks of cutscenes, you know, stitched together and, and leaked. Many were that. posted to the Reset Era gaming form have already been pulled down uh, from sites like YouTube that appear to show everything uh, including the uh, Ellie's relationship with Dina, the woman she kisses in the E3 2018 trailer. Wow, that was two years ago? Uh, to Joel's role in the game. Is Joel the father? I don't know. It's, I'm guessing Joel's the father. It's not a father, just an uh, older guy. The I older believe. guy taking care of the, I think the girl? So. Okay. Wow. I don't know. I don't know uh, much about The Last of Us, and I don't care. However, uh, this is uh, the, uh, the, the, the reason for the leaking of it is... is, is um, 
is what's interesting. We're getting to the point now where employees are getting so frustrated with the uh, internal workings of the company that they're trying to sabotage, essentially, uh, the game. Um, sure, it, but it's self-defeating in a way, but yes. yeah, sure. Yeah, on uh, one hand, I feel bad because I feel bad for everyone who's, you know, worked so hard on it and, and, and tried to get it out and, you know, now they this is happening. On the other hand, treat your fucking employees better. Um, I, I don't know. Every year, every every couple of months, there's another story uh, coming well, out from... Do we know the particular story about what... what, what was this like a pay issue, I'm guessing? I have no or, idea. Or is it a crunch issue? Hey, I, uh, yeah, it's a I crunch mean, issue. That's what it's always been with The Last of Us, too. It's been, you know, bad crunch, and we were talking about it on the podcast before, how, um, you know, they just keep hiring. They don't have... They don't have like a core a, unit. They don't have like a core unit. They don't have like a dream team working out. They're they're constantly hiring more people to try to catch up with it. And from what we've heard, there's a lot of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Dis dissatisfaction. Well, there's dissatisfaction, but um, well, discord. There's a lot of like because there's so much turnover. Right. right exactly. It's this, hard. Okay. And, and and I guess that seems like yeah. If you treat your obviously if you treat your employees better. You know, you can keep a core team around because if you're obviously you're, if you're really, very talented, you won't put up with the bullshit for long. You'll go somewhere else. So it's it's a it's a sort of like a double sided uh, coin where um, if if you if you don't treat your employees well, they'll leave. But then you also may not be able to recruit over time the the best people to work on your stuff. But yes, uh, Naughty Dog is one of the most you know famous game studios. You obviously you'd, you'd want to work there, but yeah, putting up with the crunch could be could be bad. Again, though, that doesn't excuse something like that, especially if you signed an NDA. This yeah. person's life is fucked now. Oh, yeah. That released this stuff. Yeah, they, they, let, um, they let emotion get the best of them. Yeah. Naughty Dog's going to go after them. Sony's going to go after them. You know, like, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be bad. They're never going to be hired again, probably, in the industry after this. Um, potentially. I, I mean, like, you can't. You broke an NDA about... And then, like I said, the employees that are still there... Like they're like, what the fuck, dude? Like, yeah. what, are you, what are you doing? Even though I'm, I'm crunching, maybe I want an awesome product to come out. And now you kind of ruined it for a lot of people, and, right. then, and that potentially hurts sales numbers. And maybe I don't know if there's bonuses tied to that. Like it's it's a clusterfuck. It's a clusterfuck. There's no winners at all, right? In a situation like this. So like, Naughty Dog released a message on Twitter saying that say. we know the last few days have been incredibly difficult for you. We feel the same. It's disappointing to see the release and sharing of pre-release footage from development. Do your best to avoid spoilers, and we ask that you don't spoil it for others. Last of Us Part 2 will be in your hands soon. No matter what you see and hear, the final experience will be worth it. I mean, I guess it comes down to when you play games like this or like Metal Gear Solid, you're playing more for the, the story, you're playing more for the action. Well, I think at this point, you're playing more for the story. These games, I mean... Then it's ruined, then. I mean, for, for a lot of... I mean, I, I, I've had lots of people tell me that The Last of Us was a great game. I have had very few people tell me that the gameplay in The Last of Us was particularly that is no, like, that noteworthy. That it's like the story. It, it's it's a story and it's an interactive you know, movie type game with cuts, you know, with set pieces sure. and, 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 and stuff like that. Um, like I said, I, I, I already said, I, I, I don't really have any knowledge of the game, but it, it's, 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 it's in that it's in that same category with stuff like, um, you know, Uncharted and whatnot, where, you know, games are more of like a cinematic experience and, and less of a, you know, a, a game where you're exploring everything. Sure. So, so yes, gameplay isn't going to be the big deal for, with this for a lot of people. It is going to be the story. And so, that's, and that's a bummer. If they just want to see the story, they can just watch these clips and they'll be like, I'm good. Potentially, I'm fine. Potentially, yes. Because it's like, yeah, in between, it's like, yeah, you, you kill people and... 
it's gruesome violence from what I've seen from clips of this. Like the hand to hand combat is like gruesome. Yeah, I don't have game. a whole lot of interest in it. Um, I, I guess it, it, it's part, it's whole part of what is it? It's, it's it's a zombie game, right? Is that how it starts? There's zombie type things. In there, so yeah. I'm just the same with Walking Dead. I'm I'm through with the you want to call it a zombie porn thing where oh it's cool to just brutally kill zombies and people. I'm just sort of over that. It's not it's not for me. It's just not for me to do that. You know, and I, I hope we're better as people that if, if it came down to it, we wouldn't just, you know, sort of splinter off into tribes that would just fucking stab each other in the neck for like a, the last box of cornflakes, at, you know, at, at the local supermarket that still has food. You know what I mean? Like, that's what these games purport to be. It's like we're all just just mindless idiots just killing each other. I hope it doesn't happen. I hope so. Right. Is that what this is about? All right. So anyway, anything else to add? I mean, no. do you personally know someone that that's bummed about the spoilers, or, or no? I don't know anyone like personally who's a friend of mine who's looking forward to it. I know lots of people online are, and it sucks for them. But I I I am lucky in this instance because generally spoilers, like the story spoilers like that, would take would would, would ruin some of my excitement for it. So if you were excited for it, if I just, was just just knowing it. that they were out there and, and knowing that. Yeah. If I found out about them, if they were out there and I didn't see them, I wouldn't care. Sure. All right, Ian. Yeah. It seems like every five six months we get a we get a video game item, a mm-hmm. retro video game item that uh, appears on uh, our, our you know our, our favorite show, Pawn, Pawn Stars. Pawn Stars. You know, I think there was an NWC cart or two back on it in the day. It might have been. It was, it was like uh, wow. Was it like almost? Was it a year? Not not a year ago. Eight nine months ago with with the uh, the sealed Super Mario Brothers. That appeared. How long ago? I think it was a while. But it was like six, seven months ago. Oh yeah, yeah, thereabouts. Um, it was last year, and now, and there's a this Virtual Boy's been on it. There's been Game and Watch on it, things like that. Commodore sixty four computer. Now though, this is interesting for a larger conversation. There was an Odyssey two hundred in the box. So in the Odyssey, you, you know, but for the audience. So obviously, the Man Box Odyssey came out in seventy two. It was the first video game system, home console available. I've come to the 50th anniversary in two years. After that happened, there was a a a variety of smaller Odyssey uh, standalone Pong console clones. Or they, it was well, they came out before Pong, which whatever the generic Pong, even though Pong was a generic Odyssey. Anyway, so the Odyssey the, boogie boards. <laughs> yes, the, like you know, they, there was the 100, the 200, the 300. There was there was several of these mm-hmm. all throughout the 70s. Yellow, like, orange. There were several ones from. Atari that came out before before the Atari VCS. There were several ones from Coleco that came out. Um, there was all the off-brand ones that I owned. Some of them, I think I sold a bunch at SoCal last year. There was probably, I'm not even exaggerating, throughout the U.S. and regional, 40 to 50 of these things probably. Some came with the guns that looked like real pistols. Some did not. Uh, some were had paddles you could separate. Some did not. Yeah, some uh, of them just had the dials right on the yeah, the board. Like the original Odyssey ones, the first ones had the dials on the board, and it, it was cute because, like it shows in this video, it has not even scoring on screen. Still, it has a little clicker yep. that you move yep. through yourself. That's adorable to me. It's we're still in like half board game, half video game yeah. mode in the early seventies. So this older fellow uh, brought in his Odyssey two hundred. This man's probably I want to say mid fifties. So when he bought this or got this, he was like probably or maybe he's like sixty. So he's probably like. 18, 20 years old when he got this in the in the mid seventies when he got this this uh, Odyssey two hundred I believe he said it was like seventy four seventy five so Pong the Pong standalone came out about seventy five I believe for home by Atari um, 
So he talked about, you know, we played it back in the day. It was a big deal to have this. You invite your friends over. You have a beer. You play the, you play, you know, some pong on the TV. And and thinking about it, it must have been back then. It must have been a real sort of uh, cool cool novelty to do that. Yeah. This is a new form of technology. Mm-hmm. This isn't a, a board game or playing cards. We are interacting with the TV in an electronic form. I always found that early era interesting because they really did lean on, like, this is like board games but with electricity. Because there were so many of those games, like, where one player wasn't even an option. You still needed, you know, someone yeah. to play the game with you. Sure. I mean, th- think about it. I always go back to that the, the, that original game show that what was, like, the, the first time you saw the Man of Odyssey anywhere. And, like, the people, the, the, the celebrities, first of all, they couldn't guess what the people were doing. Right with the controllers, then they couldn't. They can barely wrap their mind around the concept. Yeah, they were like, "What?" It's like, "Oh, okay." Like they didn't know what they were looking at. Yeah, and that's less than fifty years ago. It it would almost be like people that grew up in the early nineteen hundreds survived long enough to get to the TVs in people's houses. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, again, you had movies before the TV, so it was just a smaller version of that. But you see what I mean? It's like, wow, moving pictures mm-hmm. and the Nickelodeon. I don't know that, Nicole. <laughs> anyway, so he brings it in. It's still in pretty good shape, this Odyssey 200, surprisingly. Um, and America's most exciting home video game. All new, Odyssey 200. So I, ha- I have a 200 in the garage, and I believe a 100, and I have whatever the orange one was, maybe a 300 or 400 or whatever. So he asks, he asks Ian, he wants, uh, what did he want for this thing? He wanted $350 no. for it. No, they're not worth that. I wonder if he was confusing this with the original, original. Magnavox, honestly, because it's interesting. Almost all of the standalone uh, Pong clones from the 70s, um, I guess they, they still made them up to maybe the early 80s, um, almost all of them don't go for much of anything. Uh, I Maybe some of the weird Coleco ones do, like that Tri-Coleco one, the Tri-Star one has the gun in the one and the steering wheel. Steering on the other. Because it's like interesting, and it actually has replaceable like little cartridges to change the game. But for the most part, they're not worth anything because there's so many of them, and they don't all, they don't offer the same thing. But the original Man of Box Odyssey is a collector's item for for yes, still to this day. Yeah, and the, it's, it's actually gone up in value. The past yeah, the original years. Cl- the original Odyssey has gone up in value, not down. And I because there was a period of time where people didn't necessarily care too much, but it has gone up in value, um, yeah. especially if you have everything with it. Yes, um, the the especially the overlays. poker chips, the cards, the overlays, the dice. It's basically like a board game interaction thing. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm the, the fake money. Was I'm, there fake money yes, in there? Like, uh, yeah. I'm trying to think. There's so many things. Like when you look at all the things you need, it's like wow. Either you kept it all or you lost it all. Like, mm-hmm. like it was tough. I have it in the box. I don't know if I have the. I know. I also know for some reason some people like to go like. There's like two. There's like two or three different revisions. Have that first revision versus the next one. But it's it's tough to find everything. Um, I also have a dealer's case. I believe it's still our cases. I don't think they would have sold it. That has everything still brand new, all the pieces. It's in a white case. You open it up and it's nice. Oh. So I'm not getting rid of stuff like that because that, that to me is a part of game history. Like that to me is like this is a, this is like an item. The original Odyssey is cool looking too. It's a big box. It's, it looks cool. You know. Yeah. I don't have the rifle. I remember I told you one time I bought the rifle and they. They didn't wrap the box. They actually put that brown packing tape, that awful... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I was so fucking pissed. It's one of the few times I got angry with an eBay seller. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so he offers 350 to uh, Rick's son. I forget his name. And he he, he said... He actually said, oh, what do you mean $3.50? He countered with 25 bucks. And that's actually what they kind of go for. The most you probably get. I'm looking on, on... If you look at the sole prices on eBay... 
you're not going to do that much better than 25 bucks. And who is going to want the Odyssey 200? That's a thing. Like, why would you want that when you can get the Odyssey 100 or go for the original Manabox Odyssey? Or unless you just want one standalone Pong. Right. Well, do you get people in the store that say, I want a, I want a Pong clone ever? Uh, is it rare? I have, I have people who... They they think they want one. They think they want one. They think they want one because it would be neat. But um, you know, the few times we've gotten, we we don't really sell those. But there's been a couple times where we've gotten them in really really nice shape, and people will come in and be like, "We got a pong." They're like, "Yeah, no, yeah." I mean, I mean, honestly, you, you, when, when, when push comes to shove, no, most people don't want one. You, you get the coaxial adapter to put it the back of a TV, so you can still play it in a fuzzy way. Okay. The other problem is like he has um, this one didn't come with an AC adapter. Most of these Pong co- consoles didn't come with the AC adapter. You either buy it separately. Right. That's how they got gotcha. you. Uh-huh. Like my, my my dad, we had the we had the Coleco Telstar Ranger, which had a, a fucking revolver that you can, a cop would shoot you if you pulled it on him. And we replaced the uh, the C or D ba- probably the giant D batteries probably like three times within two weeks. Before he said, "Okay, that's it. I'm getting the. You know, you had to mail away. They usually came with a little card or something, or to, to mail away. You, you cut right. out of their instruction to mail away to get the AC adapter. So because that thing, these things, eight batteries. I'm talking like four hours, six hours. That, like that, you'd be lucky. You're done. done. Right. And back then, I don't know how much batteries cost back then versus now. They probably weren't cheap to get like the D's back then anyway or C's. So I just thought it was interesting. So we offered twenty five, and Doug, man, Doug, I love you, Doug. I love you, but he he says, well, I guess I'll I'll hold out for the future, to, you know, because it suggested maybe this will go up in value in the future. Doug, my friend, this ain't going up in the future, my friend. Yeah, the standalones aren't. This maxed out in value probably like 20 years ago, 15 years ago, probably, or, or maybe even the 90s when, when the when the 2600 fervor was at its peak, mid to late 90s. Take the 25 bucks, Doug, and go to buffet with your, with your wife. Go to, go to a Bellagio <laughs> buffet. Well, that'll pay for one of you, you know. I just think it's interesting because you see like the more casual outside perspective when this stuff comes on the show, at least in, to some degree, about what people think this is worth. And it's like, mm-hmm. man. The more- That's how we ended up with the ones that we had. I had, like, at one point, I think we had three of those, three of the Odyssey ones in the back. I think we had two of the 300s. We might have had a 100, a 200, and a 300. And the box were looser. Just loose. Uh-huh. And it was people bringing them in and thinking they're worth something. And we're like, they're not. And they're like, well, we don't want to take it home. It's, it's like, like do okay. you think people are playing this when they're playing, you know, PS2 and 3 and GameCube? Like, they're who's nostalgic for this anymore? You have to be real hardcore nostalgic to want to play that. That's like the nostalgia. Atari, I get. Nintendo, sure. But ColecoVision, fine. It's like a line in Not For Resale where uh, one of the, the shop owners said, uh, a kid comes in and says, oh, I'm going to buy this game. I'm real nostalgic for it. And the kid wasn't alive in the game. Yeah. And the shop owner goes, I don't think you know what that word means. Yeah. Nostalgia. <laughs> you have to have been alive to feel nostalgic for, for, for that item. So I guess I guess if, if some 65-year-old comes in and says, yeah, I had that in my mid-20s and wants to buy one, but how rare would that be? You know? I just don't think anyone's going back to get that experience. Like I said, there's an amusement to be had re-experiencing, say, like an Atari game. Because even even Frank remembers going and even playing... Even a standalone Pong set. But I remember my dad telling me that he like would play the Odyssey. Like, he sure. played the Odyssey, and it was... It wasn't fun. Yeah, because like I said, even <laughs> it wasn't a good time. <laughs> like Frank played Pong in the seventies. Like he played this stuff yeah. at bars, whatever. But it wasn't that fun that you want to remember it and play it thirty years later. Right. 
it maybe to them was still like it's a board it's a game. stepping stone. It's yeah. like playing Parcheesi. Yeah. No, <laughs> boy, I love Parcheesi. Yeah. It's like you can't get nostalgic for something unless it's a certain level of fun. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Which is why, like the Atari VCS and uh, we'll say pre NES stuff, that's why it's really died down because the games are fun, but they're not fun enough. Forty years later, I want to play them for most people. That's why the brands died and Nintendo still carried on there. All right, that's all I want to say about this. Go check out the clip. Poor Doug. Hey, Doug, maybe I'll buy it from you. Just to, you know, I feel bad. Because you're going to be dead before it goes up in value. Like, it's not going to go up in value unless the aliens invade us and knock out everything. All technology. We only have Pongs left to play. Ian, do you like getting it on? I do. You like the hanky-panky? Yes. Well, you're going to love BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com offers men a performance enhancement for the bedroom. At BlueChew.com, you can get the first chewables with the same active ingredients you'll find in Viagra and Cialis. Chewables can work faster, Ian, so, you know, we're, we're locked down in isolation quarantine right now. You, you get that feeling, you pop one of these bad boys, Woo! she won't know what what, what hit her. <laughs> Watch out. I mean, God, you're going to go. Uh, the chewables from BlueChew.com can be taken on a full or empty stomach, and your online physician consult is free. And that'll only take a few minutes uh, to connect with the BlueChew.com affiliated physician. If you qualify, you'll be prescribed instantly. No one wants to go and do an in-person doctor's visit for this and have a conversation about it. There's no waiting in line. You, this yeah. ships to your door. You don't want to say, hey, doctor, something's wrong with my pecker. You don't want to say that. It'd be embarrassing. Who wants to wait in line for dick pills? No, no one. No one no wants one. to do that. Especially, no one. especially in self-quarantine times. You, you got someone waiting for you right there. So go to BlueChew.com and the tablets that you get from BlueChew.com are made in the USA. BlueChew gives you confidence in bed every time. You and your partner will love it. Chew it and do it. Here's the deal for you guys. Go to BlueChew.com, get your first order free when you use promo code CUPODCAST, and you just pay $5 in shipping. That's BlueChew, B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code CUPODCAST. Yes, Ian, chew it and do it. Get you some product. Yes. Yes. She'll she'll love you for it. This is sort of a heartwarming story, Ian. Warm my heart, Pat. Um, Call of Duty cheaters are being sequestered and forced to play against each other. This is uh, something interesting. So Call of Duty Warzone, I guess, has had a massive cheater problem. We haven't. I think we might have talked about this a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. So they came out with an update, a, a cheating update. Call of Duty Warzone developer Infinity Ward has outlined a number of steps it has undertaken to combat combat the free-to-play mode's cheating problem. There are several major details in Infinity Ward's update worth highlighting. First, the game will now notify you if the play you report, reported got banned. That's good. That never used to happen back in the day. You used to report people you never found out 20 years ago. Although more, more robust reporting tools have yet to arrive in Warzone, you can go to your recent players list and report them through there. An easier, more straightforward method of, of reporting through the kill cam and spectator view is coming. But Infinity Ward did say when, other than soon. So basically, um, this is what happened back in the day with Unreal Tournament cheaters. The, the way they got found out mm-hmm. was usually in spectator mode, where you can you know you could switch through looking at people. You can do the overhead, or you can go look at someone. They would notice weird shit happening. Uh, they would notice that like um, what was like one of the things. Um, what, what was what was what was the, like the hit scan one where whenever whenever your crosshair would go over someone it would fire automatically, 
they would notice yeah. that some players, when they first count, got in the game, especially in a team deathmatch thing, they're, they're, um, in Unreal Tournament, um, you had that fucking weird mnemonic push a weapon thing. It would fire immediately on that certain player when they came into the game because another player was in front of them. Gotcha. So I was like, oh, what's going on there? That's weird. Why is that happening? Right. So that's how there was a, there was a major scandal that happened, I believe, to us, where there was a player that, oh, he's elite. No, he was a fucking cheater with an aimbot. That's what's called aimbot. Bots, yeah. So that was a thing there, too. So the whole point is that, is that the more people spectate, you can see this stuff happen. It's, it's easier. Uh, the developer previously revealed 70,000 cheaters... 70,000 cheaters have been banned there. So that's that's interesting uh, there, too. But this is this is to me is, this is the funny thing. So now what they're doing, instead of stopping cheaters or banning them outright, the developers in Infinity Ward have created lobbies in which cheaters are matched against suspected cheaters. <laughs> that's hilarious. So you think you're going to be, you know, uh, aiming through a wall and firing and you get taken out instead. Well, even the playing field. Yeah. Cheaters on cheaters. That would actually be an interesting experience to, to watch. I actually would want to watch that. And that on Twitter, as people were saying, say, I want to go into the I want to watch this Well, games. yeah. So one possibly, un- it says in this article here from Slash Gear, one possibly unforeseen result of this update. Some non-cheating players are requesting to be placed in these hell lobbies to fight against cheaters as if they're so extremely skilled that they'd still win. I wonder even if the deck is stacked against them. Now, do they know, uh, if you're a cheater, do you know you're being put against other cheaters? No. That would be funny as hell. You're like, whoa, what's going on? Yeah, asshole, they're cheating against you too. How does it feel, dick? <laughs> well, whatever, your wall hacks and your aim bots, whatever else you can do in these games at this point. What other type of hacks can you do, I guess? Right? Those are probably the two biggest ones. Yeah. Unless there's like a, a, maybe maybe uh, infinite health. I don't know. Infinite ammo at this point. Um, when a cheater finds that they're tossing... Yeah. The hell lobbies they find themselves getting tasted around and menace it once a wall ha- wall hacking auto aimer finds themselves being assassinated without seeing their opponent Infinity Ward hopes that they'll see the error of their ways <laughs> it's tough love <laughs> yeah uh, so that's pretty good that's pretty good uh r- reporter uh, player functionality that's good how was that ha- happening before there wasn't a good reporter player functionality in a game it's kind of surprising I guess that's how it used to happen. It would go to Epic Games and they would look at it and they would right. do, do, do have a ruling on it. But usually if you suspect someone's cheating, I mean, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Like, if you if you wait behind a wall, if you see a player, like, wait behind a wall, then shoot them when they come through. Like, right. obviously, aimbots, you, you, there's no way not to see that as a cheat. You know, especially... Well, especially... Well, here's the thing. We used to play Tam. Uh, Tam in, in Unreal Tournament. So what Tam was, was uh, basically... You're on a team, uh, and it's you know one life for each each player, and then you get a certain limited amount of ammo for every weapon, though. So of course the aimbot's only going to work well with the lightning gun. They use a lightning gun instead of a sniper rifle, and with um, the shock rifle because that's instant hits mm. on the crosshair. Those are the only two weapons in Unreal Tournament that have instant hits. So of course the cheaters would go to those weapons because then they could fucking headshot you just by swiping their fucking mouse over you. But they were screwed if they had to use something else. Well, now chain gun is instant too. I take it back. But that you got to keep the cursor on the guy. Um, but if they had to switch to like the flat cannon, that's now it's you know game on. But then would fire flat cannon. You have to like lead the lead the opponent if you're far away. It doesn't work with an aimbot anymore. So the whole point is that like t- TAM mode would work for the cheaters, but if they were playing a regular like assault mode, they couldn't play in that game, right? Because they they weren't necessarily going to get all those weapons that they, that they needed uh, to use there. 
if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. Assault mode, you got certain weapons only uh, for that. So anyway. Cheaters suck. Don't, don't fucking cheat. They're the worst. Especially at Tecmo Bowl like Kevin did or at board games. You ever... Board game cheaters? Board game cheaters are the fucking... You should be able to fucking punch them in the face as <laughs> yeah, part of the rules. You should be able to throw them in a wood chipper. Board game cheaters are the worst. I think Kevin used to cheat at Monopoly and, and oh. take a little money from the bank. How fucking insecure do you have to be to cheat at a fucking board game? You gotta win in a fucking board game? That badly to cheat? Where's the honor in that? There's no more honor in society. Fucking dip your balls in a blender here. Fucking... Ooh, if, you, if, you, if you cheated at a board game in feudal Japan, they'd, they'd cut your head off in the town square, probably. I would if, cut your if, head off now if I, I caught you. If you cheated at... I don't know. They, what did they play in, in feudal Japan? They played play Mahjong. They played some, played some uh, uh, tiles and dominoes. Don't, I'd cut your fucking head off when I samurai sword. Right there. It'd be like cheating at poker in the Old West. They'd shoot you. Yeah. There's, no, don't cheat. God. All right. Sorry. It's all right. Hey, Ian, move on. 30th anniversary. Keep it rolling. <laughs> we're, we're getting through this podcast. Yes, the, we are. The 30th anniversary of the Neo Geo. Woo! Neo Geo, Neo Geo. Neo Geo hardware is fantastic. Uh, the Neo Geo came out in Japan in arcades April 26, 1990. It came out a little bit later in August uh, 1990 in the U.S., the Neo Geo MVS, the multi-video system. Now, to me, the Neo Geo, um, pretend we're doing video game years 1990 or 91, mm-hmm. when, when, it, when, it came, when the AES came out in the U.S. You probably would have done 90 instead of 91. I don't know about that, maybe. Um, but the MVS was important to me because it gave our kids a fucking shot in the arm yeah. when it definitely needed it. Uh, sure did. Because there was a, there was a you know, there was a nice transitional period of the mid eight, mid to late eighties where you know arcade games definitely took a step up from you know video game crash pre video game crash video games that were more you want to call them primitive in, in graphics and in complexity. Then you got to a little more advanced in the mid eighties. Atari led the way there with some of it. Uh, SNK did help a little bit, and then it continued more. But it seemed like with with consoles becoming at least being more popular, there was not that they started to to diminish, but there was definitely a slight hit in terms of needing to go to the arcade to play the latest and greatest. Slightly. This, obviously, the arcade games were still superior than the NES in terms of the looks, but the consoles were catching up quickly. Yep. But Neo Geo just came in and said, well, we're going to up the game a bit, right? So the MVS hardware acted essentially as a, it was an arcade board that would stay uniform, and it could hold anywhere from one to four Four games was there ever? A, was there ever? A, no, there was. Oh, there was a six slot. There was a six slot. There was. A, okay. There was a yeah. one, four, six. Was there a two? There was a yeah. There was one, two, four, and, and six. six. Okay, I thought there was a six. Um, and this made it easier for developers who always knew what their um the specs that they would be developing to. It was like developing for a, a, a home system. Um, and the unit was great because it allowed operators to buy one system and easily swap out. Uh, instead of boards, you got very large cartridges. Kind of like this play choice. Yep. Uh, so um, it was great for arcades. A lot of arcades would have uh, multiple MVS systems with multiple games in there. So you could have tons of games uh, with less of a footprint. You could have multiple Kings of Fighters. You could have a Samurai Showdown, a Metal Slug, and a Puzzle Bobble in there. You could cover you know, four different genres of games with the footprint of one, one yeah. arcade machine. So, so it's smart if you're an arcade, for arcade operators to market to. So yeah, buy our machine, less risk, because then you can just swap out the, the, you know, 
swap out the, the game cartridges and it costs a lot less than buying a whole new arcade or maybe you even get two of them and you have eight games yeah. that you I mean it's it's incredibly smart I'm really surprised that no one else really did that besides them and, and well Nintendo with the play choice that was really advertising to buy the games at home so it's not even really the same thing I mean kind of is the same thing but not really I mean there are certain ar- sets of arcade hardware that do that like the Naomi you, you ended up getting discs and you put discs in you know it was essentially was there a selector though on screen oh for the no, player? no 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 that, that's yeah, what I mean okay, I, I mean like a, like, like a yeah. jukebox arcade uh Mm-mm. Uh, experience. I'm really surprised no one else said we're going to try this. Maybe because they wanted to keep the high pro. Arcade games were expensive. Now they're expensive. Then yeah, they weren't cheap. No, they're very expensive. So I mean, like even you, you buy like a game like I love, like Slice Buy. Yeah, you're stuck with a Slice Buy now. Right. Yeah, you can swap out the board, but then you got to buy the the, the the marquee. You got to buy the different side art. You got to hack something together. Like it's tough. So uh, the MVS, I mean, gave birth to. A number of uh, very, very successful, uh, famous franchises. Um, King of Fighters uh, being a big one. Samurai Showdown, another one. Metal Slug uh, was another big one. Um, And, uh, yeah, just great, great games. Great quality. Um, And then there was a home unit. The home unit was retailed at $650. Games were like $250 to $300, I think, at the time. uh, Which was insane. 1991. Um, there's a little uh, blurb here that I think is funny in a Wikipedia article uh, about the reception of the system. In a 1993 review, GamePro gave the Neo Geo a thumbs up, though they voiced several criticisms, noting that the system was not as powerful as the soon-to-launch 3DO. <laughs> Maybe technically they were right. But... They were technically right, but the 3DO shit the bed in the Neo Geo. It's what... all about the software. Yeah, had, uh, I think, official releases. I think King of Fighters 2003. Three no, uh, Samurai Showdown Five Special was the last official oh, release for the system, the, I believe. The three DO and the CDI, which were the most comparable together, they were advertised as this weird like home entertainment, family educational gaming. Like, the like, CDI more so. The three DO, I think they tried to do a little bit more. It's just a video game system. CDI was bizarre though. There yeah, were video games uh, on the CD, but they wanted it to be this new multimedia. Yes, it was. It was. It was when the word multimedia meant yeah, something. Like ninety two, ninety three, yeah. like ninety five, where Video sound. Look how great it is. Get your Grolier Encyclopedia, CD-ROM, and throw it in. It's like, yeah, that's cool. But the the, the marketplace is so jumbled, you, you either, either you sell it as a gaming machine or you don't. Right. So the Neo Geo was seen as this is the Cadillac premier gaming console because it was so fucking expensive. And they, the games were directly ripped from the arcade, so there was no arguing. It's not like, oh, here's a crappy port, even because even the Super Nintendo ports and Genesis ports were not the arcades. No, they're they're they're, um, they're not even close. Well, well, some get mm, close. They don't though. When you when you compare them side by side, they are they are bad. They're in the ballpark. Some oh, come on, like 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 uh, Sunset Riders is in the ballpark. It's in the ballpark. Oh, sure. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm talking. I'm talking specifically Neo Geo. Oh. Uh, Yes, they're bad. I'm talking like specifically the Neo Geo ports to the the Genesis. And the oh, Super that's Nintendo. what you meant. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh no, 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 no. Samurai. You don't want to play Samurai they Showdown not, on the Genesis. They are not good. No, no. I, I mean, okay. Ports yeah, no, coming arcade. In general, yes, yes. You could have some. You could have some yes. halfway decent arcade. Yeah, ports. like Turtles of Time on the Super Nintendo. No one really complains about. No, it. it was a good port. Yeah. But but the point is, is that okay? Six hundred. said six hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. In ninety one. Now it it was worth twelve hundred thirty one of our dollars. Out. Holy shit! That's fucking insane. So that for that amount of money, you could have bought it. computers were coming down a little bit. I think they were still around a thousand 
and ninety for like a oh yeah you could still spend you could still spend fifteen hundred or two thousand on a computer were Pentiums out were Pentiums out ninety one I think Pentium was kind of out ninety ninety one they were like a thousand dollars I think the were they the first Pentiums were like the seventy five and the one hundred I remember those sixties. 60, 75? I think they were 60. 60, they had 90. Anyway, but Penny... 75 was... Uh, the, for the whole point is this. Number I first this remember. was fucking expensive. Yeah. Because Super Nintendo, when it came out in 91, was $200. Or maybe 250 Something sure. in, that, in that range. So we're talking three times the cost. Two to three times the cost back then. And plus, like you said, the games were expensive. What did you say? They were $200 for the games? Uh, the Neo Geo games were 250 to 300 I think, at retail. All right, we'll say three hundred and ninety-one dollars Five hundred and sixty-eight dollars. Yeah. So you're basically spending the amount of money to buy a new console, a new Super Nintendo, and like four to five games to buy one game for Neo Geo. Yeah, it's insane. So you must you, either you were rich, or you really, really had to save your allowance for seven years to buy one arcade game. Yeah, basically. But hey, then. you were playing the arcade game. There's zero difference. And they had the, the 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 memory card to swap between them. Yeah. I don't know anyone that used it or had it. Because who the hell could afford... It's like, if you could afford to buy a home Neo Geo, you're a rich kid, why would I even sully myself going to an arcade when I can play at home by myself and and, yeah. and have, have my friends watch me play? You can't play my expensive Neo Geo. You know what I mean? Like, that's so weird. Did you know any kid that had the Neo Geo? AES? Um, yes, I did. Or at least he said he did. Well, the thing was, I had been to this... So, it's funny, because I, when I went to Catholic school, I went to school with this kid. We'll call him... Uh, we'll, his name was Aaron. Well, so why we yeah, I was going to say... Not, not giving out a social security uh, number. Yeah. Uh, his name was Aaron. And uh, <laughs> I knew Aaron when I was in Catholic school, in, like, uh-huh. grade school. And I remember going over to his house, and I remember him having the Turbo Graphics. And I remember him having the master system and the NES, and he had everything. So he had everything. He had he everything. Okay. He had everything. It was upper class. And then I left that school, and then in middle school, like three years later, Aaron ended up going to the same school as me again, and I remember him telling me he had a Neo Geo. He was still going to Catholic but, school? No, he, he, was, he was in the middle school with me, and I remember him telling me he had a Neo Geo, but I didn't hang out with Aaron after that. I didn't go over to his place to see it. I'm willing to believe that he probably had it, because his, his mom was that kind who just bought him whatever the fuck he wanted, and he did have, like I said, he legit had the Master System, the Turbo Graphics, and like every good NES game. No one had all of them. He did. Wow. He I, did. Again, the only reason I had TurboGrafx is I won it in a fucking contest. My parents were not going to buy me TurboGrafx. Right. They weren't going to buy me that and have a Super Nintendo. Well, I got, well, I got, well, no, I got TurboGrafx in the Christmas of 90, so that was a year after it came out. So I had that before the Super Nintendo. That's right. But I did try to get, I did try to get a Master System because I, I, I love the idea of how the Master System looked, and I did get that as well uh, in 90. That was 91. So 91, I did get the Master System, but I got the crappy crappy uh, Master System 2. By that point, they were so cheap, though. I think I think at Kitty City, the Master System 2, which was like the only place you can get it. Toys R Us wasn't carrying them. I think it was only like $80 for the Master System 2. Maybe 100 at Kitty City. It was not... It was... It was. I mean, it was dead by... Master System was dead by like 89. It was dead by the time Genesis was coming out. But uh, anyway. So, um, yeah. My fondest memory is the Neo Geo. It's probably that first year or two when it... Before it got, you know, before, by the time you get to like the mid '90s, like machines were usually half fighting games. I, I loved like uh, Sengoku, obviously uh, King of the Monsters, things like that. Uh, I loved, I loved um, Super Spy. Anything with spy on it, Sly Spy, Super Spy. Loves. There was no game like Super Spy. 
ever in the arcades. Like, like, see, you're seeing your fists and you're and you're and you're, you're kneeing people and you're moving and you're fighting. Like that was they incredible. Also like James Bond movies. You really do like that whole the male fulfillment fantasy. The, the, yes. the whole spy thing. Yes, Rolling Thunder. You're kind of a spy. Yeah, yeah, yeah you kind yeah, of you are. are. You're a secret agent. Yeah, Rolling Thunder is absolutely trying to be like a James Bond sort of deal. And damn it, it pulls it off in the arcade at least, Namco. Uh, anyway, so um, no, those are those are my memories. Like that first year or two before the pre pre King of Fighters when it was still World Heroes and Art of Fighting. I always liked Art of Fighting the most for some reason. I'm not sure because it had had the big big sprites, big spr- the big sprites. You could see the damage on the guys' faces. That was like revolutionary at the time, wasn't it? Yeah. And I did like the original Samurai Showdown. I thought that was like interesting. Back Samurai then. Showdown Two is one of my favorite fighting games of all time. Two is that two, is that, is that, two what, is so good. Was was there five on the Neo Geo? There's five. There was five. There's five on the Neo oh. Geo. Uh, then there's a sixth one. I can't remember what hardware that was. A Thomas Wave maybe. And then um, then there's there was a shitty one for the 360. And then there's the new one. There was a shitty one. Was it? Was oh, it there SNK? was a three. There was a 3D like uh, no, it was SNK. But it, there's like a 3D extremely bloody awful one called Samurai Showdown Sen that no one talks about. Just way over the top. No I one. Mean, talks Samurai Showdown's bloody, but yeah, no, this is like way over the top, like lopping off, like it's just like it, time killers. It, yeah, yeah, it's 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 bad. Just lopping off two arms and legs. Samurai Showdown Sen. Yeah, no one talks about it. No one talks about it. It's one we do we do not speak about. Forty six percent on Metacritic. Did you ever used to play uh, uh, Nam seventy five? No, that, never really played that one. That was that was one of the first run ones. What was interesting about that game, Ian, is that they for some reason they censored when you when, whenever you find them on the cover. There's a woman and you see like her knees mm-hmm. and part of her chest, like like just her like you know, not even the clear. They mark her off it on like ninety five percent of them. They're markered off on the home version of that. Hmm. That's like SNK did that or some government entity did that. Weird. It's really strange. I think I managed to get one without that, but uh, for the but I think that's what they did there. It's it's really strange. But look I look into that. If you ever come across uh I only have about six or seven AES games. I got like the original ones. I got like Super Spy, I got Magician Lord, which was what the original packin, right? Did they ever change the packin? Um I got Nam and I, I might have got I, I might have Sengoku but I only have about four or five Neo Geo games I never I'm not crazy enough to fucking get into that stuff into the AES and I have a couple of MVS ones I'm you know but anyway so anyway that, that's all I'm gonna say so the Neo Geos are great okay it's fantastic yeah SNK we love you moving on we're gonna talk a little bit about one of my favorites. We got another anniversary. Another anniversary going on here. Game and Watch. Game and Watch 40th anniversary. Game and Watch. See, we're covering all the anniversaries appropriately on the zeros fives and, and zeros. The fives. That's zeros it. and fives. Don't come <laughs> at me with any other bullshit. It's been 17 years. Uh, oh, God. 21 years. <laughs> uh, so, Game and Watches. Holy fuck. Game and Watches are great. Um, 40th anniversary. The Game and Watch was uh, created by Gunpei Yokoi. Um, as a small wallet or credit card sized almost today, April 28th. Oh, nice. Um, credit card wallet sized uh, portable game um, that you could play on the train, uh, waiting for a bus, anywhere. It fits in your pocket. Um, they uh, started off with uh, very simple ideas like a parachute. Ball was the first one, right? Ball. Uh, I have the the ball recreation that Club Nintendo did. That was very cool. I should have used my points and got that. 
Um, I was so happy that I was able to cash cash that in and get that. Before and it's an they accurate representation. Yeah, I mean, it says club. It has like a little club Nintendo stamp on the sure. back. But yeah, I mean, it's the you, same game. You pull it out. It's the same game. So Nintendo f- somehow had the Game and Watch Factory still uh, somewhere going on. Yeah, and went sure. It started. That's so weird, but cool that they did that. Yeah. So LCD screens, um, and they are fun. They sold like crazy. They did very very well. Um, well, they they came out at a time when I, I guess still the heavy hitters were like a lot of those like late seventies, early eighties, like still had those like Mattel and Coleco LED ones, right? Right, exactly. Um, I think they were the first you know company to really shrink down the size of portable games, sure. And uh, you know they did so by relying, uh, like they always do, like Nintendo always does, uh, relying on cheaper technology. They were using just LCD screens, liquid crystal display screens that you would find in calculators and things like that. Um, I have fond memories of, of Game & Watches. Um, I think I'm just like that, just that right age where I can still say I, I actually grew up with them and I had some and I played some. Um, there are a few that I remember very clearly. Um, one that I had was uh, the uh, Mickey Mouse Panorama Color one, which is actually one of the rarest Game & Watches. Um, okay. I don't have it anymore. I sold it. It had oh. a broken lamp. Um but still, so I got to fix it. Probably, uh, I don't know if that's fixable. Basically, the the L, the LCD segments of it started to burn out Ooh, in certain okay. spots, um, and I got that one from I believe my parents. And another one that I had was the Legend of Zelda dual screen one, uh, which I got from my grandmother, and I still have that. Um, and that Legend of Zelda one, they got pretty complex. That was with, one of the last ones, right? Yeah, it was one of the later ones. Late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, uh, dual screen, late eighties, I believe. Um, and it, it's interesting because it it's two screens on the bottom screen you have to move back and forth and avoid uh, uh, Stelphos the skeletons trying to stab you from beneath on oh, a platform yeah. yes it's and like a traditional to, one yeah. yeah and what you do yeah. is you move back and forth to avoid getting stabbed by the skeleton and when you move all the way to the right you can attack with your sword um, a moblin and after you beat a certain number of them, you climb steps and you fight a dragon on the uh, top screen August 89 89 Makes sense. I got it for my birthday that year. Um, do you remember? Do you remember, do you remember what, what it cost in eighty nine? Like I thir- don't. Thirty, forty bucks, probably. Something like, that. My, like I said, it was a, it was a gift, so I have no idea. They were more expensive than tigers. I know that. Yeah, um, but they were actually fun to play. And like yeah. that Zelda one actually had levels. Like you could beat it. Like if I think there was like seven pieces of Triforce to get or something like sure. that. It actually had an end. Um, the Super Mario Brothers one was a lot of fun. Um, never played that one. It's I like a, never played that one. I remember a, a kid in my elementary school had it, and I borrowed it from him for a couple days. But uh, that one actually is like a platformer, a very simple platformer. Um, and it was neat. So, yeah, I love the Game & Watch. Unfortunately, um, that technology was run into the ground by, like, Tiger Electronics. They did a bunch of LCD games. Um, and while you can definitely have fun LCD games, not all LCD games are fun. It, it required a lot of thought on the designer's part. I'd love to know more about the actual design process for Game & Watches because they are a good time and if all you've ever done is play a Tiger LCD game you would not they're not ex- as good you would not expect well, these to actually be fun you would not expect these to actually be able to kill time Octopus is super fun I love Octopus yeah it's all about the personality I think that you infuse into you know they had they had the Mr. Game & Watch where they, it was just a you know a stick figure basically that they had but it's, it's you gotta get wrapped up into the I guess the small story of the world that's created yeah. on it and Nintendo obviously had the mascot to do that. Well, Tiger was just like, here's baseball, here's football. And yeah, later they got the licenses. But I don't know. It was something uh, uh, about 
Nintendo seemed like they 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 created like their own little uh, little universe with the Game and Watches. Yeah, right? does that make sense? And then yeah, then they started to uh, incorporate characters like there was a, a balloon fight one. So that there was some cross crossbreeding between the their video games and their game. There watches. was a, a two player punch out one, um, or boxing. There was boxing, right? Yeah, there was the Donkey Kong ice hockey. Yes, with a little one's a little little circular. Mm-hmm. Little, and they had D pads. So, uh, I believe that. Yeah, well, the Game and Watches. If it, Gunpei Yokoi is credited with creating the D pad, and he created it for the Game and Watch. Yeah. So that's important. That's very important. The best D-pad ever made. The original NES D-pad, which came from the Game & Watch. Yep. And then, it, and then it's funny when you, when you try to look at the designs of all the other ones to get around, the, the, like, the Genesis and the TurboGrafx one um, and how they had to, like, never got close. Nintendo no. perfected it. No. Um, although there are, like, uh, there was those European Master System controllers that had a straight-up D-pad on them. Oh, know. so they got around because they were in Europe? Probably maybe? because they were European. Yeah, that's, really? that's my guess. I don't know if I have one of those. They're neat. They're flat on the bottom, rounded at the top with two grooves for you to put your fingers, and it uses a standard D-pad. We ha- we've had Ooh. a couple of them in at the start. They're really, really nice. Look oh, you got one? You got, I don't have them pack, anymore. Pack, pack in a deal on that. Um, so... I always think of Game and Watches. You know, you, you know who I think of with Game and Watches. Uh, Kevin. I think of Kevin, because Kevin had the Donkey Kong uh, Two or, or Donkey Kong Junior one, where you had to grab the key. Right. He never let Pat play it. Little oh. little thick but quick Pat. He never he never just let me borrow it. And at the time, I, I was thinking like, you know, um, yeah, I had the Tiger LCDs, but they were they weren't a Game and Watch. They weren't the sexy Nintendo Game and Watch. It was, I was, I was, it was like the low cl- you were low class if you just had the if you just had the Tiger ones compared to having a game and watch, and I believe yeah I believe they were like forty dollars uh, back then so yeah they were they were probably not expensive. cheap but the game and watch is is, is significant also because um, from what I've read it really really helped get the distribution network going before the NES. Uh, in the U.S., it makes sense. Um, in the early '80s, because they especially. were being sold in all the you know the the the, the uh, department stores and toy stores, but they were also being sold in Europe in like smaller stores, mm-hmm. like if you had like I guess like a toy or, or just like a TV shop or whatever. And so it was really like actually they were probably sold in watch and calculator shops too. Sure, why not? Yeah. Did they have calculator shops back then? Oh, I, it seems like a thing that they they, they might have. Do they have 80s. watch shops anymore? I'm trying to think. If they have watch shops that anymore. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so I think I read an article a few years ago about that. How it was the first like about how someone from Europe had to go over. I forget it was Norway. Like basically had to go over and pretended he was a big businessman in order to get the deal to be like the European distributor of the Game Watch, or at least in the Scandinavia. But because Nintendo did not have a relationship anywhere else in the early '80s, so like they had to build relationships. To distribute any sort of product, so you can make the argument that without the Game and Watch, the NES would have had a much harder struggle to be distributed worldwide, uh, especially probably in Europe. If it wasn't if it wasn't for the Game and Watch to sort of get their foot in the door with all these, you know, all these distributors uh, there. So yeah, it, it makes sense because this was remember remember it was a big five year period between the start of the Game and Watch and the NES. That's like I said. Huge amount yeah. of time. So you didn't get a few years. I don't remember when I first started seeing the Game & Watch. I mean, I don't remember any... I mean, I was probably too young to remember if anyone had it like 83 or 84. But definitely by 85 and 86, I probably think I probably remember seeing it uh, being around for sale. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm surprised that they haven't re-released the other ones. If they did the ball one, why not re-release a Zelda one? They'd sell a ton of them. You know, to even Zelda collectors. I'm, I'm surprised they didn't do that. Maybe they didn't think it wasn't worth the time. But if they did it for ball... Yeah. You know? Uh, 
just so you know, that controller, the Sega Master System one, is the SG Commander. It's not the European controller. It's the Sega SG Commander. It was one in Europe. Uh, excuse me, in Japan. I don't know. It might have been here. Just look at it. It's a nice controller. Okay. I might actually probably have one, but Sega Commander controller? Sega SG Commander. Okay, I'll look that up, Ian. Yeah, they're anyway. nice. <clears throat> I'm not looking up Phoebe Cates right now. I'm looking up this. Oh, you should be. Oh, it's a Hori controller. Oh, oh, is it? Okay, yes. It's, uh, yeah, it's Japanese. Okay. 150 your best offer. Jesus, I can't believe we had fucking two of those at Luna like four years ago. You didn't tell me. You didn't tell Pat. Yeah, didn't tell Pat. They're cool though. I haven't bought anything from Luna in like two years at least. Yeah, well, I want to spend my money. It's probably like four years ago. Why don't you tell me? I don't know. You know, you know, I'm a, a, a nut for saying that. I don't know. Moving on. Okay, Ian, we have a CU Podcast Patreon. We do. Patreon.com slash CU Podcast. What, what can you get there? Uh, I do writing. We posted one yesterday. Uh, we do. What, a, what did you talk about yesterday? I talked about uh, Star Paroger, uh, my, my PC Engine collection, and getting a game back for it that I had lost. Um, then we also do uh, a, a weekly poll topic that we will cover. We do the full video podcast is up there. We, we gotta get the, I do hangouts. We still gotta we gotta get the, uh, the we gotta we gotta get the the YouTube subscription thing going for for the, the full video as well. Oh, we, gotta, yeah. we, gotta, we gotta get that going. We gotta we, do that. We've been tardy, Ian. Tardy. When it comes that. We just, gotta, we just gotta think about what the price structure is gonna be with that. Um, anyway, so what were the poll topics this time out? I don't know. You tell me. Well, it's on the document there too. Games to play to wind down. Twenty percent only. In second place, a deep dive discussion of twenty-seven percent, and in first place, Ian. This is Ian. Ian selected this for the for the poll, and it won. Good, good. What are good video games with bad stories attached? I've got two that come to mind, um, and uh, I have a feeling people will debate me on some of these. But it, it's how debate I feel. me, debate these, me. These, Ian. Are, these are games that I genuinely enjoy, but the story <laughs> tends to. Uh, tends to ruin them for, well it doesn't ruin them for me but it's a little rough the first one is the Borderlands series and it's it's what brought up this this question when I was thinking about because I was scrolling through Twitter and I saw a couple uh, friends of ours discussing Borderlands and um, the one guy said did they just think that Deadpool was the like height of comedy and that they decided to try to make like a video game entirely around it and that's what borderlands is borderlands is a really good idea for a game it's a first person shooter with loot grind and dungeon crawl mechanics essentially you and it's open world and it's open world yeah it's a fun game it's a fun idea but all the humor is like written by 14 year old teenage boys with too much testosterone Just it's all like super sarcastic thick, and... yes exactly Ugh. and it's like it's painful to fucking play through it um and deal with it like i said good game fun game but man does that really kind of like take me out of it um the other example for me um and this was from a few years ago uh final fantasy 15 um I loved playing Final Fantasy 15. I thought the game was fantastic. Like the gameplay was excellent. I thought it made the, you know, Final Fantasy made this transition to like this open world action based, you know, RPG very well. And there's a lot of good interactions between like the four main characters, the bros um, that you play as. Like their story is great, but the whole main story, the love interest, the bad guy, it's so tacked on that. Um, it's impossible to get like 
I don't know. It's impossible to feel anything for some of these characters. And there mm-hmm. are some, like, you know, big, pivotous, monumental, like, you know, storyline moments where things happen, and you're supposed to feel something. And I've, I just feel nothing. So it's rare because usually a lot of times, you know, the story is what carries people through RPGs. And this one absolutely in no way, shape, or form was the story carrying me through the RPG. It was just fun to play. So I wanted to see what happened next. Um, and those are like my, those are probably my two big examples. Okay. I'm trying to think of a modern one, not being that up with the modern gaming stuff. Um, I think that a good example, at least to me, I don't know the whole series. I just know in general, I think the, the Assassin's Creed whole premise to me is weird. The whole animus thing where like you, it's modern times, but they send you. Yeah. (laughs) But they're going to fucking put you on a machine, like total recall or whatever, and fucking go back to your, through your fucking, what is it? Through your genetic history and find a fucking story. Yeah. I don't know, man. Fuck off. Just do the story. Just be like, hey, we're we're in ancient times killing people with white hoods on or whatever. Like, just just do that fucking story. Like, why do you have to like tack on this yeah, they, they even did that with the movie that came out. I think, like, why even bother? Yeah, and from what that? I understand, the movie focused on it a lot, and like, there was like very little of the back to the. Is anyone playing Assassin's Creed for? The, did they get rid of that eventually? Like, I don't know. That's actually a great question because I feel like Odyssey, Unity, like all of those may have like moved away from that to a degree because no one ever talks about. What, that. what do they? They strap some Greek woman down and and and, and, and that movie and say, oh, we, we gotta find out what's. Why do they have to find out about the assassins again? I don't know. I've never, I've never played a single Assassin's but, but, Creed game. But talk about like just taking what should be a good story on its surface. Historic. We got to make it modern to appeal. No, you don't. Just have it take place back then. I can say uh, that Assassin's Creed is like Assassin's Creed is like what the like, fuck? Like plastic bag waste. Um, people got to stop buying Assassin's Creed. It's taking well, over. Well, at least they're not every year anymore, right? now. Yeah, there wasn't one last year. But it's like they're taking over the fucking store. Like 11 copies of Assassin's Creed 1, 13 copies of Assassin's Creed 2, 5 of Assassin's Creed 3, 6 of Assassin's Creed 4. Assassin's oh. Creed copies fucking multiply. The Animus is a virtual reality machine developed and eventually commercialized by Ab- Ab- Abs Turgo Industries. It follows the user to read a subject's genetic memory and project the output onto an eternal screen in three dimensions. The machine was notably used in... Abstergo's Animus Project and the Anime Training Program. The former analyzed the genetic memories of several select subjects, usually to gain information on the Assassin Order or the Pieces of Eden, while the letter while, while the latter was used for the training of Abstergo employees. Fuck, fuck off. Just fuck off with all that. This sounds horrible. <laughs> so they get you in a lab to get a 3D rep, I guess real-time representation of your genetic memory to train employees to be what modern assassins I don't get it I don't know man oh there's a background to the Animus back in the 1930s the Templars oh shut up just stop oh as soon just as you get to Templars they, they, like, they, they, that's they, it. the Templars did a device in Norway that they try to do this holy shit like this is bad wow this is a long wiki article on the Assassin's Creed uh, uh, fan wiki it's, it's like five pages long wow here I thought I was just going to say most fighting games have horrible stories. This is the worst thing I've ever seen. The more I look into this, yeah, I don't know why I didn't think. Of, I remember you said yesterday I was struggling to think of one. I don't know why I didn't think of this immediately. This is horrible. That's a good one. It's a good pick. Woo! Do any of the Tomb Raiders have bad stories? Do you remember? Or they just like, hey, we got to find something. It's find these. 
Raid these tombs. Raid these tombs and, Raid and, and shoot tombs. and shoot cute animals that I feel sorry for. Why well, gotta shoot the like the little like little, the white tigers? The tigers and the dogs or whatever. Well, they didn't do anything wrong to you. Just use a taser on them. What's going on there? Is there any fighting games or really weird stories that are bad? I mean, obviously, like yeah, Street Fighter, it's a world tournament, we fight, we get it. World combat, it's a ripoff of Ender Dragon, it's cool, we get it. Like that's fine. Is there any ones that just go out of their way to have really weird stories in them? SN- SNK uh, Heroines for the uh, Switch has like a storyline where I can't remember his name. Fucking like kidnaps the girls and traps them, and it's very lecherous and weird. Yeah, for a fighting game. <laughs> for a fighting so you game, get to, you get to save the girls. The girls. Yeah, it's bizarre. All fighting game stories tend to be very weird, though. The Tekken ones are interesting because they they actually have somewhat of a logical flow through with sure. the corporation and the guys you know like they become friends with each other then the, the the one guy the corporation gets actually older as it goes well, along the king of fighters series has a fascinating story if you can i mean follow it it's fun what's a doa story how do they get so many uh female fighters oh, the doa story is fun um where's the story of that dead or alive plot there uh, was a movie of that too wasn't there yeah there was uh, Dead or Alive introduced the initial characters and their reasons for ending the tournament. Um, where's the story? Depicts a, a collection of skilled martial arts and a worldwide competition named the Dead or Alive tournament. Yeah, it's okay. literally just a tournament. It's a massive corporation with unknown motives. I guess that's like, kind of like Tekken. Holds the fighting competition arenas ranging from the North Pole to the... Okay, so that's just silly. It's not even a dumb, it's just silly. Yeah. Because at least you can say in Street Fighter 2 you fought where the other fighters were even though that wouldn't be a, you know that wouldn't make sense you'd fight in one location like Bloodsport Bloodsport is free with ads on YouTube by yep. the way it's also on uh, Netflix right now I believe but we should do we should do a let's watch together Ian. should we we should do that we should do that that's that's a thing now um, it is on Twitch a lot of is. people are doing that we should do that I don't know if you get if you get I guess on Twitch you wouldn't get copyright stru- struck there's no copyright strikes it wouldn't matter Anyway, I just think that that's fun to do that now. All right, any other ones I'm, I, that, to think of that are that bad? I mean, we can go back to NES games and say, well, it's weird, you know, Super Mario Brothers with, like, you know, Mushroom Kingdom, but it's like, it's not bad, it's just goofy. It's, right, it's just for, strange. And for platformers, what else can you, uh, what, what do you expect? I'm just trying to think of ones that are just so shoehorned in, like like Assassin's Creed, where there's just no reason for them to exist. I'm trying to look at the shelf over there and try to see anything that's really that bizarre. Um, um, no, paper was not a bad story. It's just kind of cute and goofy. You're delivering papers, and Grim, Grim Reaper wants to kill you. Uh, that's all, you know. Is, is that it? For, that's is that it. it. All right. Okay. All right. No, no, no other topics to bring up in the CU podcast. No. Twelve forty-three. One one twenty-eight. Wow, an hour and a half. Back. That's good for me. Well, all right. Well, thanks for for dropping by here. Remember, uh, you know, Blue Chew. Dot com code CU podcast. If you want to chew it and do it, chew and do it. Uh, I got my contest going on, or, or just go to ultimatenes.com. You can order certain guidebooks or enamel pins or t shirts there. And uh, yeah, be on the lookout for announcement for Pat's 40th birthday stream. Because why the what the hell else am I doing on my 40th? What would you do if you had an important birthday coming up and we're still going through the 40th? What would you do? Nothing. So instead of doing nothing, I'll, I'm gonna I would I'll, do nothing, I'll play some terror graphics. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll have some guests pop in the chat or say hi. i got to figure that out. How would you pop into a Twitch chat? I, oh, I guess it's the same thing like uh, you just you just drag the screens and you do, you do screen captures. Yeah. I guess. 
or I'll do. I'll, I'll figure it out. I got figure it, it out. I got some some time coming up. All right, that's Ian. Bye, Ian the Disruptor. I'm Pat. We'll talk to you later.